Welcome to Female Fear Factory, the podcast, a space where people share their experience with fear inherited from the systems designed to keep certain people from stepping into the joy of their personhood. On this podcast, you will hear about when fear has hurt and when community is healed. The Female Fear Factory is a performance of patriarchal policing of and violence towards women and others cast female who are therefore considered safe to violate. Listening to that quote, safe to violate is a bitter reminder of the ugly truth. The ugly truth being that many in this world, and of course here in Nigeria where I live, still see me as a second class citizen simply because I'm a woman. I first came to understand myself as safe to violate based on the fact that I'm a woman because of my relationship with my mom and my sisters. So I have three sisters. All four of us girls have very close relationships with my mom. So sometimes it feels like there are five of us in the family who are girls. The fact that she's in her mid-50s but could easily pass for somebody in their late 20s makes it such that others also think there are five girls in our family being sisters. And I love that flex for us. Growing up, I would hear comments people would make about the fact that my parents did not have any sons. Ah, uh-uh, no boys, won't you try again? We have close family friends that are all male children in their family, and I would observe how with the boys, for example, they were praised and hailed. They didn't speak about the boys the same way they spoke about us. The boys didn't have to hear such ridiculous comments. I realized that before I turned 10, Somehow, people simply didn't see girls as being as good as boys. They were allowed to pass their nonsensical judgments while we had to stay respectful. I realized that I was safe to violate in that sense. My parents handled each silly comment with grace and bounced them off with humor, steering the conversation to more sensible topics, but it was not lost on them how misogynistic these comments were. It wasn't lost on me either. The obsession with having male children and how how people would eventually say, oh, they're also beautiful though, as if conceding to the fact that we're all girls. As we grew up and developed breasts and hips and rolls and stretch marks, all the features that made us the beautiful women we are, the comments also went through their own sorts of puberty. It became comparisons. See how your mom is so slim. Why are you so big? Why is your younger sister so fair, meaning light-skinned? and the rest of you aren't. Did something happen? You should watch it till you've put on weight. You don't want to be fat like another family member who they would then mention to compare me to. The word fat was spat out as if it's a dirty word. An aunt once asked me what happened to her beautiful gazelle when I was 12. First of all, weird, why am I a gazelle? Second of all, I was 12. I began policing myself as a form of protection through dieting. I started to diet when I was nine. I noticed that a lot of adults around me vilified certain foods and there was a lot of guilt and shame attached to them. I realized and reasoned that I could reduce my growing thighs if I didn't eat as much. When I did snack, I would hide because I was convinced that something I was doing was wrong. By the time I was 13, I was forcing myself to throw up the food I had eaten. By 15, it was a daily occurrence sometimes multiple times a day. Once I was done swallowing any meal, I began calculating how to get it back up as soon as possible without anyone knowing. I felt protected because I was losing the weight. I was receiving the praise and the aunties were swallowing their words as a new and improved Karina walked through the door. The validation as I performed for the male gaze was amazing. 
and the accolades in form of attention from the boys also felt really good. I thought I was protecting myself from the ugly comments, the teasing, the hurtful words. In hindsight, my relationship with food, with exercise, with health and my body, my home, was shifting over those eight years I struggled with an eating disorder, bulimia. The policing has shifted over the years. I was able to get help and recover from the eating disorder over the years. My relationship with food had been severely damaged. I turned to eating healthy and exercise, but this then became obsessive. Instead of enjoying food, there was still that fear and guilt. I could tell you how many calories were in an apple, in a tablespoon of peanut butter, and in a slice of bread because I was watching exactly what I ate to a point where it was just kind of crazy. I once told one of the ladies in our pastoral care team in boarding school that I had to go to the gym one night because I had eaten bread. The same day I had really bad cramps that kept me from class. She encouraged me to rest, but I was like, no, I had eaten bread that day. I had to go to the gym. I was adamant. I did go to the gym. And of course, I felt worse afterwards. Coming to the present day, I practice intuitive eating and moderation. I focus on healthy, holistic wellness what my body needs and not what it wants all the time. My measures of health and fitness are my energy levels, my stamina, my flexibility, my digestion. I've put all the weight back on and then some, but I've never felt as confident and as comfortable in my body as I do right now. I have explored my femininity and now know what makes me feel most full in my womanhood. I continue enjoying fashion and the exploration of my style. In these ways, the policing of my body, myself, my home has shifted to become more positive and more wholesome. The violence still exists. The comments still come. The subtle moments of surprise that I can be fat, healthy and confident. The medical assumptions that my weight must be the root cause of any illness. The occasional violence from myself to myself. When I catch myself tempted to slip back into old familiar and unhealthy ways of speaking to myself. I'm countering the fear, I'm countering the violence by doing the work of being present and giving myself grace. I am being so patient with myself and in turn, that patience, that compassion, that empathy is passed on to others around me and then others around them. It's a ripple effect. Negative body image is formed by years of negative words, and years of development of negative thought patterns and views of ourselves. Everywhere we turn, we are being conditioned to dislike who we are. In music, in films, in shows, in books, it takes intentional work to unlearn that and I'm taking my time with it. I'm spending time naked and in robes. I'm really, really taking care of my body, nourishing it with food and enjoying food. The days where I eat, you know, 10 donuts, for example, I gave myself grace and start again the next day without being so strict and so mean to myself. Food no longer has negatives or positives. There are no bad foods, there are no guilty foods. Food is food. As I speak, I went to a food festival earlier this week and I only felt excitement. No guilt, no shame. It has taken years of carving out spaces and thoughts and patterns to get here and I'm so proud of it. I'm leaning on my community. My my sisters and my mom are my everything. We protect each other with a fierce love and I'm so grateful for that. I'm having vulnerable conversations and creating safe spaces for vulnerable conversations with my business, Area Wellness. 
hosting body image workshops and retelling body image conversation cards that are tools to guide us on how to talk about our bodies, about eating disorders, about exercise, about food, and about what true holistic wellness can look like, how individual it can look, and how much of a gradual journey it all is. I face the fear by taking every day as a fresh start to be who 9-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old Karina needed, and today, who 28-year-old Karina still needs. I'm Karina Karome, the founder of Era Wellness, and this has been my female fear factory story.